This morning, the scripture we're going to be considering is Luke, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19. We're going to be looking at verses 29 through 40. And I encourage you to, to follow along as we read this passage. It's one of the uh, gospel accounts of Palm Sunday, or at least a portion of it. Luke chapter 19, beginning in verse 29. As he approached Bethage in Bethany, at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you'll find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Those who sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. And while they were untying the colts, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colts? And they replied, The Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. And as he went along, people spread their cloaks along the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Pray with me this morning. Father God, as we worship this morning, as we consider the special time that is often called the triumphal entry, where your son Jesus entered the city of Jerusalem a week before Easter. Lord, we pray that our hearts would anticipate, our hearts would be ready to receive all that you have for us. Father, that we would praise and glorify your name. And that by drawing together into your word, that, Father, we would indeed draw closer to you. Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. It's a familiar story. The story of, of Palm Sunday. Jesus sends out his disciples on an interesting mission. He tells them to go, to go find this young donkey. And they go and they find it. And just as he told them, someone asked, what are you doing with it? And, and they tell him, the master needs it. And uh, they say, okay. And they take it on. And Jesus rides into town on this donkey. And as he does so, the people begin to, to throw their garments on the ground in front of him uh, just as a, as a way to roll out the red carpet, in other words. They're saying, here's the king. Here is the Messiah. Here is the son of David. Here is the anointed one. He is coming. And so they began to throw those garments on the ground in front of him, as well as wave palm branches and shout out. The different gospels tell us different things that the people were saying. Um, but they say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna. Uh, 
and all sorts of other praises they cry out as Jesus walks by. And Jesus um, is just doing his thing. He's just heading toward Jerusalem. The Bible tells us that he had set his face toward Jerusalem. That is, he had set himself toward the cross. He was on a mission. His last week in Jerusalem was going to be his last week of life on earth before his crucifixion and resurrection. And as all of the people are, are gathering around and praising, of course there's got to be a party pooper. And in the scriptures, the party pooper is usually the Pharisees. Uh, they're the folks that, that we as church folks often in our minds say Pharisee equals bad guy. But the funny thing is, in Jesus' day, Pharisees would have translated to church folks. I mean, that's, that they were the good people in, they were, in their society. They weren't the bad folks that were going out and doing wrong. They were the ones who were trying to stand for what was right. But they had gotten so caught up in their rules that they did not understand about a relationship with God. So they come to Jesus, and, and the whole group of them uh, confronts him. And I'm sure there was one spokesman, though, who, who speaks up and says, Jesus, tell your, your disciples to be quiet. In other words, Jesus, by not saying anything, uh, you're condoning what they're saying. And, and surely this cannot be right for, for these folks to be calling out their, these praises to you. You see, after three years of miracle upon miracle of healing and teaching and loving, the Pharisees had so hardened their hearts that, that they didn't see who God really was and what he was doing through Jesus. And Jesus doesn't apologize one bit. He says, in fact, if these people didn't cry out, these stones would as well. If the disciples, if the crowds were not calling out my praise, the rocks themselves would be crying out in praise. Well, it's a, it's a simple story. But it's got some powerful lessons for us to learn. Of course, the story is about Jesus, obviously, and his entry into uh, the temple, uh, into the city on that Holy Week. But also, in every story we have about Jesus, there's also another side to the story, and that is, how do we respond to Jesus when he prays, when he heals, when he feeds Anything he does, how do we respond to Jesus Christ? That it was the story then, and that is the story for us today. How do we respond to Jesus? And we see some very interesting responses here. We see the crowd's response. And you know what? Every so often, the crowd can actually be right. Like the old saying goes, a broken clock is right twice a day. Usually we say, don't follow the crowd. But this time the crowd had it right. This time the crowd was crying out, Hosanna, Son of David, Messiah, King. And, and all these things they were calling out and they were praising. But the thing is, as much credit as we want to give the crowd for praising and crying out and calling out, they were doing the right thing then. Ultimately, the question comes, if they were saying that on Sunday, what were they saying 
on Friday. Because we all know that we only have to turn over a couple of chapters and we see an angry crowd is calling out for the death of Jesus. He was the perfect, spotless Lamb of God, completely innocent of any crime, and yet people were calling for his blood. Crucify him, they said. Crucify him. It's often been said, I've probably even said it myself, that the the same crowd who called out Hosanna on Sunday called out crucify him on Friday. That may be a little harsh. It may not have been exactly the same crowd. may have been completely different folks there. But here's what we do know. The folks that were calling out, praise him, Hosanna, son of David, king of kings. All of these things that they were crying out on Sunday, they weren't crying them out on Friday. They were nowhere to be found. Perhaps if they still even believed those things and were even present, they kept silent. In the face of, of, a, of a terrible... Um, possible oppression in the face of saying if we identify with Christ and he's about to be killed perhaps we would be killed as well we do not hear the joyful worshipers instead as they are silent we will on good friday only hear the angry voices that cry out crucify that's the crowd response Then there's the religious response, the Pharisees' response. Again, their response came from a a place of power and control. You know what? I have found out in my life that I will never be satisfied. I will never be happy and completely pleased when I try to control the actions of others. And guess what? They won't like it all that much either. So many people who think they are religious or spiritual or whatever, their, their whole mindset, their whole idea is, is not, God, I, I need to have a relationship of love with you, and I need to spread that with others, and I need to encourage others. So many people, their idea is, God, I have a great relationship with you, and now I'm going to try to make everybody else be just as good as me. And of course, if they're doing something that I didn't think of, that I didn't approve of, that I wasn't for in the first place, then I then I have to I have to poo-poo that idea. I have to say, no, that's not a good idea. I have to downplay it. Such a contrast when the common people of the day are filled with joy calling out praises to Christ, waving those palm branches, throwing down their cloaks on the road. And the very ones who should be most filled with joy as the Lord has visited their city, as the Lord is about to do something amazing, the very ones who should have been the most excited are the ones who are trying to stomp it down. Friends, I'm all about trusting God's word and his standards. And God does have standards. God does have principles and rules and commands and all those things are important i'm not saying anything goes but as jesus said so eloquently get the log out of your eye before you try to pull that tiny speck out of your brother's eye 
Don't be such a killjoy. Don't say, oh, I see something different, and that must not be good, because I haven't done it. That's not the way we've done things here before. God has called us to be joyful worshipers. So how did, how did people respond to Jesus on that day? Well, we had the stick in the muds, the Pharisees, who didn't respond well at all, who got upset of people praising Jesus because he didn't fit in their little religious mindset. And then we had the crowd that was doing the right thing for the moment because at the moment it was the popular thing. But when it became the unpopular and risky thing just a few days later, their voices were nowhere to be found. But there's more to this story than simply the crowds and the Pharisees. There's also the donkey and the stones. That's why I've entitled today's message the docile donkey and the silent stones. And I really believe that these non-human elements actually outshined the crowds and the Pharisees both. Consider the donkey, or the colt, a name for a young donkey. The Bible specifically tells us that he'd never been ridden on before. And I want you to think about that for a moment. Donkeys are not known for being the most compliant of creatures. They're, they're not known for just easy does it going with the flow. Now imagine if you were simply to, if the story said uh, Jesus tried to rise, ride on an unbroken horse, all of a sudden through your mind you'd have this picture of a, of a rodeo going on, you know, of Jesus trying to hold on while this great stallion was bucking him off. Well, listen, <laughs> from folks I've talked to who've dealt with both horses and donkeys, horses are a piece of cake compared to donkeys. Because, see, horses... If you can get on over them that, you know, that you're the authority figure, you're the number one, you're the alpha, you break them and, and then they follow. This is what I've been told. But, but what I've been told about donkeys is different. <laughs> it, you're not going to force a donkey to submit. Uh, no, no matter how much you push, that donkey's going to push back just a little bit more. But with a donkey... It's got to decide, it's got to feel like somehow it was its own idea. That it chose, that it wants to do what you want it to do. You won't push, uh, push it, you won't force it. You can only woo it. You can only give it that idea that it wants to do what you want it to do. Now, I'm kind of dumb, I didn't catch that for a lot of years, the fact that Jesus was riding on an unbroken animal. That just never really clicked for me. So if you're looking for miracles here, we know the potential miracle of rocks crying out, but here's a miracle right here that Jesus simply sits on an, an unbroken animal. And all the years before when I had read this passage, I always thought when those folks said, hey, what are you doing with that donkey? In my mind, they were saying, hey, that's ours. You're trying to steal it. But as I started to look at it from this perspective, I thought, they're saying, hey, what are you doing? That thing isn't broken. 
It's going to kill you. It's, it's a danger. Be careful of that unbroken donkey. And only when the disciple says the master is in need of it. They say, okay, the master's in control. Jesus has got this. You can take him. Something in this donkey made it believe that even though it had never allowed a single human being upon its back before, this beast, this creature of burden, said, this is my Lord. This is my master. This is my God. And so the colt submitted to Jesus without the slightest struggle or worry. Think about the rocks also. Those rocks. We hear this thing and, and where Jesus said, if, if these people did not praise God, then the rocks would cry out. Now that's a head scratcher, right? How, how are rocks going to cry out? I mean, first of all, they don't have the voices. But second of all, do rocks think? How in the world are rocks going to cry out? And, 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 well, we know Jesus did some pretty amazing miracles. He did some pretty interesting things. But you know, the Bible tells us that all of creation declares the glory of God. It also tells us that creation groans, waiting for the day in which we will be redeemed. In other words, even creation itself, animal, mineral, vegetable, whatever category you want to put it in, even creation itself is somehow aware that it has been affected by the fall of mankind. The fact that each and every one of us has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and therefore the world we live in is not a perfect world. Because God's will is not perfectly done. It's not a perfect world because we are under the curse of sin that has been in place ever since the fall of man at the very beginning. As we chose to rebel or our, our forefathers chose to rebel, and guess what? Every generation is lined up with them. The Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Pharisees... They didn't like it because it didn't fit in their little box. The crowds were all for it, as long as it was easy and safe and popular. But it was the rocks that were prepared. They couldn't wait to cry out and glorify. And it was the donkey who wasn't stubborn, who wasn't mulish, who, who wasn't against and stupidly against God, it was that donkey that says, yes, I will submit to the way, to the calling of my Lord. Years ago, when I was working in a summer camp called Centrifuge, we used to sing a song. And that song was called Ain't No Rock. And the first line of that song went, ain't no rock gonna cry in my place. And I'm going to tell you that it's terrible grammar, but it's wonderful theology. Every single one of us needs to have that mindset. 
that I was not going to allow anybody else to give the praise to God and the glory to God that I am, that he is due from me that I want to give him. No rock is going to cry in my place. No donkey is going to be obedient while I am disobedient. But just as all of creation knows its place in relation to the master, so you and I ought to know our place. So you and I should sing his praises, not only when it's easy and popular, but when it's hard and difficult. When it's hard to obey and to live the right way, we recognize Jesus is Lord. And therefore, we will submit to his leaning and his leadership. So the animal and the mineral, they did well on Palm Sunday. The people didn't do so well. Where does that leave us? Well, it leaves us a lesson of how we can do better. But there's also a positive example. In another place in God's word, we hear of a different Palm Sunday worship service. In Revelation chapter 7 and verse 9, the Bible says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, and people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And they were wearing white robes, and they were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. It wasn't easy for those worshipers to submit. They were obedient, even when it was tough. In fact, the Bible tells us they were obedient even to the point of death. Those described in the book of Revelation were those martyrs, those who gave their faith. They paid the ultimate price for their faith and obedience to Jesus Christ. And note the Bible says that they were from every tribe and every tongue and every nation. They were different in every area of their life, but one thing bound them together, and that was their love for Jesus Christ, even to the end. And they had the privilege of standing around the closest to our Lord and Savior, calling out. Those palm branches waved and their voices cried out, Holy, holy, holy is our Lord. Hosanna, the son of David. Praise him. We have opportunities every day. Not just on the Lord's day and Sunday are not just on special services. But every single day of our lives, we have the opportunity as believers to submit to God and also to give glory to God. To praise Him and to live for Him. And God has called us to do this. When it's easy like Palm Sunday and when it's tough, like Good Friday. God tells us to follow him and to praise him. And I hope that's what you'll choose to do. I hope that your life right now, even as we're all thinking about how COVID-19, how it affects all of us, 
that I hope that your eyes will be lifted from just looking at your own circumstances and difficulties and that it would look toward how can we honor God? How can we reach out to people in need? How can we be an encouragement? How can we be a supply? How can we be a a help to those in need? How can I serve God, obey his call to reach out and touch the lost world? And how can I praise him and give him glory? There's a million things and more to complain about, to worry about, and to fret about in the time that we're going through now. But none of them amount to the reasons we have to praise God. And that's what I want to encourage you to do today. To follow him and to praise him. Let's pray. God, we come to you. And Lord, we just want to ask that, Father, that we would be obedient. Even unto death. Most of us don't feel like we'd ever have to face that decision. Many of us will not. Sometimes it's simply the long death. That is, denying ourselves and taking up our cross on a daily basis. Not about showing great courage at one moment in time, but rather obeying and following and praising you day after day after day. Lord, help us to be like that docile donkey and those silent stones who with all that were within them, They wanted to serve you and they wanted to praise you. May there not be any rock that cries in our place. May there not be any creature that submits in our place. Father, be with us now as we seek to respond to you. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.